What do I know? I'm just sitting here producing a Locked On Hornets podcast, getting filthy rich. Oh, checkity check check. I feel like there's just a lot in my face. Yeah, but it'll keep you. You were a little. You were a little pee poppy last time because I don't have any <laughs> covers on these yet. I got gotcha. you. A little pee poppy. You're a little pee poppy. That's what you like to do. Pee pop, pee pop, pee pop. You are locked on Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> I really thought that prediction that Anthony Davis was going to play 49 minutes last night was going to come true. I really thought that was going to happen. He almost got there, only 49 minutes away. Only 49 minutes. Surprised that a star player actually did undergo the load management during that game, and it actually came to fruition. Hornets almost still found a way to lose, though. or lose though. 115 to 109. Hornets, they do get the dub over the Pelicans, and it was a miraculous fourth quarter from Kimball Walker. We've seen this before. I was talking about this today on the on the show in the morning that Kimball Walker, even if it was him trying to go for an All-NBA selection, there's no way we could tell because it looks a lot like what he's done pretty much his entire time with the Hornets. So I don't know. I mean, this I don't think that this is any kind of selfish thing that he's doing, getting 32 points. It was only 17 field goal attempts, and I don't I wouldn't care if he was trying to go after it like that. It's just funny because we wouldn't be able to tell anyway because you absolutely need Kemba to do the things he did last night in order to win. This was a Pelicans D-League team. They're starting Christian Wood. Guys we've never even heard of. As like you look at their stat line, you know, Ian Clark is out here getting 17. You know, Julius Randle gave you 34. Stanley Johnson out here giving you 17 points. Whoa, he plays for the the Pellies now? Right. I think oh, that happened when man. you were in Italy, probably. I think that's when it happened. Italia. And you're getting a ton of guys that are out here that probably shouldn't even be getting a ton of run in the NBA, and the Hornets are barely beating them now. It was a fun week. It was that, that last week that we had before the Lakers game, that was fun for a while. I want to go back to that, where the young guys are contributing. That's the one thing at least we got, right? We got Kimba Walker performing, and at least we had the young guys not bleep the bed like they did the last two games. I'm going to miss Kimba Walker. I mean, this has just been amazing. I don't think you can force an NBA, an all-NBA run. I just I feel like that's honestly that's something that you either have in you or you have developed, and, and we've watched Kimba. He's had to carry this team before. This isn't the first time that Kimba has had to put the Charlotte Hornets on his back, and he's never been in contention for All-NBA third team before. I just think this is really, whether he's going for it or not, he has the ability to go for it, and that's the story. 100%. I, th- my whole thing is that I, we wouldn't even know what that looks like. That's my whole thing. Mm. That even if, even if Kimba 100% was going for that All-NBA selection, even if he was about that life, I don't know if we could tell. I have no clue if we'd be able to tell if he's doing it because it's things that he need. It, it's better for the team if he does it. Yeah, and that says more about, I think, the shot making quality in the starting lineup, night in, night out, and also the level of defense that they play 
uh, when they lose. So the young guys, they played a lot better than they did the last two games. I mean, we were getting goose eggs from Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham. It was a bad couple of games that they had uh, against the Golden State Warriors and against the Utah Jazz. At least you got a little bit of better stuff from them. Miles Bridges, just three of eight. It's not like it was great from him. Missed all of his three-point shots that he took. Did get you six rebounds, finished with eight points. Dwayne Bacon played 22 minutes in this game after a weird five-minute game just the contest prior. Goes three of six. Hits a couple three-pointers, which is nice. Gives you eight points. Not too much elsewhere in the box score. Malik Monk, Doug. Malik Monk actually gives you something. We got eight points or nine points from him. Four of eight from the field. Only hit one of the four three-point shots that he took. Got six rebounds. A couple of big offensive rebounds that kind of just found their way to him. Uh, I thought there was a good decision he made driving to the paint, kicking it out to an open Jeremy Lamb late in that game. Lamb just couldn't finish the assist for Malik. But overall, I thought Malik was fine in this game. He actually showed you some things that weren't terrible. That put back alley-oop. He's had a couple of nice dunks for us late in the season. Does that mean anything to you? Does that does that show you? Because I've seen some people on Twitter say, well, how like can you a- watch those dunks and think that Malik Monk is going to be average, that he's not going to be a special NBA player. Do those dunks signal something to you about the future of Malik Monk? The ability is enticing. (laughs) The ability was enticing coming out of college. There's certainly a lot of red flags about Malik Monk right now. My whole thing about Malik is I think it is better for the Hornets to try another year with Malik rather than trade him for pennies on the dollar. Now, if he's the extra bargaining chip, for getting a a big-time player or getting at least a good player that would be considered to be on a good contract, then okay, I'd be fine doing that. But if the whole thing is just based off moving off Malik Monk, I've completely given up on him, and the Hornets completely give up on him in the way that they're just going to send him out, I don't think that's the move. I don't think you do that for, what's his value right now? You know, and I just hit the mic, that's bad hosting. (laughs) What's your value? Ding. I think as far as the kind of value that Malik Monk would get back, I mean, it's it, it's got to be at an all-time low. Oh, yeah, he would have to be a piece of something as opposed to – he's a kicker now and not, not the trade piece. So to me, it's better served for the Hornets to hang on for another year. I don't think you hang on blind, but to me, it's just – for me at this point, you hung on to him at the trade deadline. I think now, with his value being so low, it's better served for the Hornets to see if he can figure something out next season, especially if Kimball Walker's gone. he would I would imagine that he gets a lot more minutes next season. And you see what you have. You try to run the, make this thing run its course rather than just sending him off and getting, what, a second? Like, what, what would Malik Monk get on his own? Because to me, it's a second-round pick. No, I think you're right about that. But don't you think that Mitch Kupchak has like an itchy trigger finger. Especially, I mean, you saw all the maneuvers that... He's held control so far. You saw all the maneuvers that Kupchak was trying to to make midseason and, and couldn't make it happen, resisted the urge to give up too much. But don't you think come draft time, that, that urge to do what he did in Los Angeles, to remake the team via big trade acquisitions is going to be too much. And maybe Malik Monk is a bargaining chip in a trade-up scenario. Well, I don't know. I would certainly be okay with that. If you found somebody that you like, remember this is not Mitch Kupchak's guy. So if you found somebody that you liked a couple of spots ahead, you traded, you swapped your picks, and you gave Malik Monk in order to move up, I don't know how many spots, I don't know how much that would get you. But if you did that because there's somebody that Mitch likes ahead of them in the draft that they don't think is going to fall, then I'd be okay with that. I think I'm clear 
that it's if you're just wanting to send Malik off into space because you just don't want to deal with them anymore. I think that would be a problem, especially because the value is not all that high. The better thing to do is just see it out even another year to me. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you're Mitch, you've got some you've got some credibility in terms of trading up or even trading back in the draft. I mean, Dwayne Bacon being your your prime example. I mean, you, you know, I think he has some credibility if he wants to make some moves in the draft. Well, and Devontae Graham being that pick that he's able to get in the second round, you know. I mean, it's an awesome second round, a couple of second round guys in a row. And remember, we we all know the awful second round history of this team. The last guy that had any kind of basketball ability in second round for this team that was kept for this team whatsoever, it was Jeffrey Taylor. And then he had the domestic violence allegations go against him, and then that goes out the door. And so maybe you got somebody that had somewhat of an ability on the court, certainly off the court. You made it not worthwhile, and Jeffrey Taylor was somebody. That was the last guy that you could look at and say he had any kind of ability for the Hornets that was drafted in the second round until Dwayne Bacon, who could just be the last draft uh, parting gift from Rich Cho, and Devontae Graham would be a nice one if Mitch Kupchak is able to have that second-round pick develop here for the Charlotte Hornets. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. We're the local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find the show on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. Find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail and Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. We'll be back in just one moment right after the break. This is Locked On Hornets. Now that we have this question, I got I, I feel like I need to ask this. Mm-hmm. Are y'all sweet potato pie folks or you pumpkin pie folks? Pumpkin pie folks. Sweet potato folk. Pumpkin pie. Sweet yeah. potato. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Always appreciate everyone listening to the show. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. So some other things to take note of in this game and maybe just look towards the future. We've spent a lot of time talking about Nick Batum and wondered exactly how he would feel if his minutes significantly were diminished in exchange for some young players next season. And I think it's because a lot of people have a big hatred for Nick Batum. They don't like him because he's making a ton of money. Absolutely not even close to worth that contract. And a lot of people, I think, think he's just an awful basketball player, regardless of the contract. Although I would argue subconsciously, the contract has to be in your mind when making that. Here's the thing that's interesting to me is we talk about what Nick Batum is going to be feeling next season. How about MKG? He played 20 minutes last night. And you look at MKG's game log, he's played two games in a row now where he's played over 20 minutes, but that's the first time that's happened since February 1st and February 2nd against the Grizzlies and the Bulls. Both dubs, but that's the last time MKG has played close to 20 minutes or over. And the last time he scored over 10 points or more, Doug, it's February 9th against Atlanta when he had just 11. And think about at the beginning of the year. When we were all on board with MKG, if you were to argue the most influential players on the roster at that point, let's say first month of the season, something about that, maybe first month and a half, two months, I think Kimba Walker's obviously number one. Tony Parker, 
I think he kept that up for most of the season, certainly when he played and played in a while. But Tony Parker's in that discussion. Jeremy Lamb's in that discussion. MKG was absolutely in that discussion. And now he's only played consecutive 20-minute games the last two games when they don't care anymore. It's all about developing the young guys. He's only scored more than 10. I know that's never his game, but in transition, you're just going to come about 10 points every once in a while if you play 20 minutes, and he hasn't. And this has been somebody that we considered so influential, so impactful on the Hornets all that time ago to where you look at his game log, he was getting DNP CDs at a moment. He was getting six minutes, eight minutes, and that was a steady, gradual decline. Like Malik Monk, it was hot and cold with him. You know, you were playing him, you weren't playing him, five minutes, 20 minutes. MKG slowly started to decline a little bit, was in the teens range for a lot of the season, then declined to about single digits, and then you got some DNP CDs. Now he's in because we don't care anymore. And hasn't he been the player that has been most impacted by JB tinkering, his constant tinkering with these lineups I mean he was a lock in the in the rotation early this season and then when when things started to go bad and JB I think arguably started to panic a little bit and and try some different things MKG was one of the first guys to to slide out of the rotation and I think it kind of goes to show you how big you know skill play is in the NBA and and how you know, much of a liability he was in that respect. This was a team that was supposed to play faster offensively, and I think you and I both talked in the offseason about how that could benefit a player like MKG, but as the season wore on, it didn't affect his rotation minutes. Well, and Miles Bridges being drafted to the team, I think you've seen him. He's always been, there's been some times where he wasn't playing that many minutes, but he never got set out like a Malik or even an MKG for a big stretch of time to a certain extent. We've seen him, I think, get a couple of coaches' decisions not playing, maybe a couple here, but not much. Well, and you bring up sort of a salient point, which is it wasn't as if one particular player rose up through the ranks and, you know, took MKG's position, usurped him. I always think of Kevin Artovitz's quote when I talked to him. It was last year. We had him as a guest on the morning show. And I asked what MKG's trade value would be because Kevin Artovitz is a fan of MKG's defense so much to the point where he was actually advocating for an all-defensive spot for him, I think even just last season, when nobody was talking about that and he eventually didn't get it. But he was discussing how much he likes MKG's defense and that he was giving serious consideration for that, even when everybody was kind of down. You're hitting everything. I don't know. My hands are a little crazy. And I noticed that picture. It's a new setup. It is a new setup. I'm not not aware of my surroundings as much. I was in there. I was taking. You're like in your awkward teenage years. I am. I'm growing. I'm hitting puberty as we speak about MKG. Tripping over steps. Believe it or not, my voice is going to get deeper as we finish the show here today. Baby. MKG was somebody that Kevin Artovitz loved for his defense and actually advocated for an All-NBA spot. But despite him saying that, he said he knows GMs that wouldn't let him walk through the door, let alone give any assets to the Charlotte Hornets in exchange for him. And I wonder just if that's changed at all, how true that is for a lot of GMs. But Kevin Artovitz is a a guy that is as in, and he's as well-informed as a lot of NBA journalists out there. And I just wonder how true that is for a lot of general managers. I think that MKG is in a subset of players that on relevant teams show their relevance a lot and on irrelevant teams show how irrelevant they really are. I mean, I think they're players that really depend on the team around them, shot makers especially, 
keeping the team relevant. And so everybody went towards Andre Robertson as this huge. I think that was a good point. Oh man, I'm shaking a little bit. I think I think I just said something smart, made up for my last segment. Are you feeling yourself right now? Yeah. Well, yeah. So you know, last <laughs> segment I kind of had a. I, I. So what I meant to say last segment was that I think the Hornets as an organization have a little bit more leeway with the fans in the draft. And I brought up Dwayne Bacon as the example. And then when I thought about it, it sounded as if I was saying that Mitch Kupchak had the leeway when he, of course, did not draft Dwayne Bacon. You tried to save me at the end by making the correction, and that's what's – I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I did So Doug was that. shaking for a while, but now his confidence oh boy, is back, back in full force. I'm back. I just said something really, really smart, guys. Uh, he felt himself so much that he felt the need to stop any kind of take that I was going to go on. <laughs> he wanted to make sure that everybody knew what he said was the smartest thing that you'll ever hear on this podcast and maybe – in the history of podcasts that we've ever done. Thank you. Yeah, well, that's that's your take. That's your take. You felt the need to stop you, everybody. You, but you just said it again. So My, now it's your take. <laughs> no, you said it. You said it about me. <laughs> Doug in full force today, everybody. Anyway, MKG. Well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Good God. <laughs> this is what Doug likes to do. Here I am. Do you, what I've done is I've I, we were on a steady drive down the highway and Doug decided to take the wheel and throw us in the ditch because he felt so confident that, no, I can take the wheel. I'm fine. Hey, listen, Bring us to the ditch. Sometimes sometimes there are great things in the ditch. Hey, it's it's Frank Kaminsky's birthday. <laughs> Happy is, birthday. And is that what you found down there? What else you got? Frank Kaminsky, it is his birthday. Real quickly before we go to Frank Kaminsky, MKG is somebody we talk about how there's zero trade value for Nick Batum, how there's not going to be any team knocking on the door for Frank or for uh, Nick Batum because the contract is too bad. He doesn't right. play up to the level. There's nobody that's going to trade for that contract. But Kevin Artovitz also makes the point about MKG. We know that the assets are undesirable. They they nobody wants them. Nobody wants these contracts that the Hornets have. I wonder if that is maybe more tradable because Mitch Kupchak he's brought in because of his networking. Is there any way anybody would see an Andre Robertson type value where on a good team, like you said in your excellent point, that his strengths would be magnified? I wonder if any team thinks that about MKG to where possibly that's a contract you could get off of maybe a year sooner. Well, and I also wonder if if context matters here. I think with Batum less so because of the size of his contract relative to his performance. But with a guy like MKG, I just wonder if in the past they've tried to trade him in order to upgrade their roster because they were trying to get better. And so in that, in that sense, he was untradeable. But what if this team decides to turn the wheel, and take this team into the ditch. Huh? Yeah, that's an excellent point. And then maybe he becomes tradable because you're not really as worried about what you get back. That's a great point. I don't know which one's better, the first one that you stopped the show for or that one right there. I think that's the best point. I, I thought that first one was the best point that's ever been made on this podcast. I think, Doug... I think you might have just topped it. Thanks for joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're here at the Gettimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gettimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. we got one more segment. It is Frank's birthday. Let's talk about Frank the Tank next on LOH. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm a fantastic Googler. I'm bad at logging in. If they were to do sort of a scouting report of of me and my ability to use the internet. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah. I, Excellent Googler. Not a very good guy that's logging in. Very yeah. good at interrupting the host anytime he's trying to go on a rant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
I still stand by that evaluation in my pre-draft process. Stand by it. You've gone through the combine. We went to your pro day. I still stand by that evaluation. I've got time to show myself. Don't you worry. <laughs> Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Hornets on the new Himalaya podcast app. And in every expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Hornets. I'll say this about Himalaya real quick. I'm smarter on Himalaya. Like if you listen to this podcast on Himalaya, I actually come out smarter. Every time I have that read in front of me, I always think of the Dunder Mifflin commercial because of the line in an ever expanding podcast world. I it's the right help me out here because it's uh, in a it's in a in a paperless world, endless paper in a paperless world. Is that the slogan that right. they come up with yeah, at the end? Yeah, exactly. They have to. It's Michael doing the commercial himself. For, it's yeah. it's the one that he actually makes, and it's great and it's awful at the same time. But it's also it's awesome. like a paper airplane that like flies to the yeah. office. Yeah, great episode. Well, it's a great episode. I think of that every time. I think of Dunder Mifflin. You just hit your mic again. And every I am hitting puberty. <laughs> I am growing. Somebody help me. God almighty, this has been rough for me today. Just physically. I didn't know. Like, I've been, I've felt like I've been okay mentally. I know you're on cloud nine mentally with your takes here recently. Oh, but, talk about a recovery. But physically, physically, I have not been good on the pod today. I didn't know you could be bad physically in a pod. All, all I do is sit down and talk, but I've been bad physically today. You keep looking over my shoulder. Somebody's here. Not as here. Of course he is. Well, it's, it's difficult, but you pulled it off and way to go. Frank the Tank. Happy birthday, Frank. Happy birthday to Frank Kaminsky, who has been playing very well this month. Doug, I believe you have the stats on Frank Kaminsky playing this month. I know he's been shooting 38% from three in the month of March. In the couple of games that they've played in April, it's gone yeah, down. We'll but get, for the most part, he's, been, he's played very well. Yeah, we'll get to the stats in a minute, but I, I didn't do my job there. Go ahead and say Frank Kaminsky, happy birthday again. Frank Kaminsky, happy birthday to you. So, Doug, I understand that you have some stats pulled up immediately because you are such a great producer. You're always prepared. And after that 38% three-point mark that I had, I'm sure you have everything else ready for us. Well, I'll just say that pre-All-Star break, he was not getting a lot of run. I mean, this was a guy, this was not like MKG where it took some time for him to fall out of the rotation. This was this was a player that was really not ready to go from the jump, was only averaging about 11 minutes pre-All-Star break. And then, uh, but since then, uh, in 17 games, 21 minutes, he's been shooting 45% from the field, 37% from beyond the arc. And specifically in March, 15 games, he was 45.9% from the field and 38% from beyond the arc. So he's been, he's been a, you know, one of the rare shot makers, especially off the bench, not named Jeremy Lamb. You know what he's been? He's been somebody worth the qualifying offer. Four four and a half million dollars to keep him this season. And it's been somebody that nobody thought he was going to get that qualifying offer. He started to play a little bit better. You wondered if you needed a larger sample size. Frank has given you a larger sample size and has played, I think, well enough to where he warrants the qualifying offer at least. You thought he might get a buyout offer. I thought. And he was sort of demanding it, or at least, you know, buy me out, let me go somewhere, or pay me. And the Hornets said, or play me. Pay me or play me, and to his credit, they played him, and he, you know, he came to play. I mean, how if people won't go back on Frank. I've seen some people give credit to Frank Kaminsky, and it, just like Nick Batum, where it, it, it takes a lot for Nick Batum to get any kind of praise out of you. I, Frank Kaminsky, everybody was done on. You know, they were willing to go away from him, very much so. Right, and he's been good here this last month. But here's the problem, Walker, is that. 
Frank Kaminsky is in the opposite subset of players that MKG is in, where when your team is relevant, you become irrelevant. And when your team is irrelevant, (laughs) you suddenly become relevant. That's not the subset that you want to be in, but it might get him a qualifying offer on a team that might not have as much interest in winning next season. I'm with you on that. I totally agree (laughs) with you on that. That's a great evaluation. You are the new Todd McShay. You're the new Mel Kuyper. My thing is, Frank Kaminsky was actually helping them win games when they were winning. And that weird young player experiment when they actually were winning, Frank was a decent part of that. And so I, when you when you give me the numbers like that, look, it's not somebody that I think you can rely on. I'm not saying make sure you bring Frank back at all costs. Would you not say he's worth four and a half million dollars? At oh, least as well, far as I a say, qualifying in the, in the in the context of a team that is not going to be as interested in winning games next season, that has to sort of outlast some of these. Because you're operating contracts. at a level where Kemp is gone. I got you. Right. So that's that's the level that I'm operating on. Also, I think that um, you've got to, as a franchise, after if if you just sort of roll through next season and try to deal with some of these bad contracts and and deal with losing a few games. I think as a as an organization as a franchise you have to start and I think Cupcheck will start scouting players who can who can contribute to your team in December and January. I mean that's where this team has just failed miserably year after year. That you know, you've seen Kaminsky be able to contribute some very early in the season, very late in the season, and that's where a lot of these players have fallen for the Charlotte Hornets. You got to find some guys that can step up in December or January. Nada appears on our show every Friday, and we call it Fire Friday. And something I have enjoyed as I've listened back on a couple of podcasts, we often reference Nada behind the glass. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of behind the glass Nada, being a character that doesn't ever come on and talk Me too. With he us, agrees with me when he's behind the he glass. He does. When he gets in here. It is he... a betrayal of me, and I'm surprised that he didn't come crashing through like Ralph Wiggum on The Simpsons through the window. I'm surprised he didn't come through the window as soon as I gave any kind of credit to Frank Kaminsky. Make him away, toys. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen. Maybe not give me that line, but I thought he was going to come through the window. It's, uh, the only Wiggum I got. And, and give me some hell. I don't have many Wiggums either. Tomorrow's going to be a fun show with Nada, by the way. We're going to have a lot of interesting sound we're going to have some sound from tony allen who is a show legend despite never playing for the hornets he's a show legend it's going to be a lot of fun to have tony allen sound clips there we'll break that down also gary payton going to have him on the wake-up call tomorrow going to ask him about kimba walker play some of that sound and what gary payton thinks that the hornets should do i don't know if you really valued gary payton's opinion on what they should do with kimba but we're going to give it to you gp and you're only going to get that here on the locked on hornets podcast we appreciate you joining us again thanks for listening and remember you can subscribe Subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya podcast app. Doug sounds a lot better. And if you listen today, he sounds like a freaking genius. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast. Locked on Hornets. Fire Friday. It's tomorrow.